Bills Mafia, was good? This Stevie Johnson, Mr. Why So Serious, and you now tuned in to The Lowdown with Jake Jordan. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is the lowdown on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. And of course, this is coming to you on a Friday. And last week we recorded, I would say, probably one of my best shows that I have ever done. And of course, I do have the mindset that every single time I come into a show, I want it to be better than the last one. While that does not always happen. I can say that recently I feel like each and every show has been getting better and better. And last week when I had Justice on, you know, I I love Justice. And Justice is one of my close friends in this community and is somebody that I can say I'm very, very close with. And that's a very small, you know, knit of people. There's not a lot of people that I can sit there and say that I talk to on a regular basis that know me for just me. And I really, really liked the idea of getting some people that I knew in the community and, you know, doing some research on them, try to surprise them with some of the things that I know and to go back to what I wanted this show to be, which was to be the first half me talking about, you know, the bills and then the second half talking about, you know, interviews, having interviews with people, getting to know other people in the community and that that's just kind of always been my drives because I feel like with that I create connections with people that it doesn't only just benefit me to create these connections with people but it just benefits everybody for everybody to kind of know each other and I, I really really like that because one of the things that I don't like is sometimes you'll see people from other brands don't like people from other brands because they're on other brands. And I feel like that that's, you know, kind of dumb and hopefully, you know, interviewing people from other brands and, you know, trying to create those relationships really, really shows that things can open up and everybody can like each other. And, you know, this is probably your first time listening to the show after, you know, news and it's not very, very public, but Justice is no longer a part of Built in Buffalo. And that's something that's, you know, really hard on me because, of course, I'm here putting out a podcast for you guys to listen to. And Justice, one of my good buddies who also put out a really amazing podcast on this network. And that's kind of how we started together. And we have a live show on the YouTube channel. And, you know, it was kind of a whole thing. So what what happens you know like when somebody like that leaves you know a lot of people would just assume that I'm gonna you know pack up shop and you know just leave and go with him wherever he goes and while there is a part of me that does want to do that there's also a part of me that feels like there's something here that you know I have you know to build something to keep going with because I have no bad blood here uh, there's no reason why I would 
leave this brand because nothing has been done to me. So why am I talking about this? Well, this isn't going to be the last time, especially last week, the last time you're ever going to see me and Justice live or talking on a show together at all because me, Justice, and a couple of others, whether with Built in Buffalo or no longer with Built in Buffalo, are starting a new project for Bill's Mafia. And of course, if you're listening to this, maybe it's something you'd be interested in because it's not exactly what a lot of people would do, right? When people leave, they try to make brand new brands and they kind of try to do their own thing because they feel like they can do it better than maybe the person that they left or they feel that I can be better than that brand so i'm gonna start this that's kind of not the idea behind all this because you know some of us are still with brands some aren't with brands and we're creating this thing and i'm gonna tell you guys about it now it's kind of an announcement i assume that we're probably going to announce this before this episode comes out but if not you're getting an exclusive right here on the lowdown but we're starting a thing called breakdown buffalo And basically what it is, is it's a brand without really being a brand, right? You're not going to have Twitter posts of stats and stuff like that. What it is, is a content community hub for like us to continue doing the shows that we do together, like Home Field Advantage with Caveman and Justice is going to be on there. Justice for All, Justice's show will be live on there. First round by the show that I was doing with Justice and Izzy will still be live on Breakdown Buffalo. And it's kind of going to be a thing of regardless of where anybody in the content creation you know, space goes, it's always going to be a hub for us to come together and still create content together because we're all still friends and we love it. And of course, with it comes the freedom to bring people from other brands together, kind of like what I said I wanted to do with the whole interviewing thing is to bring people on on the shows that are affiliated with different networks and kind of get people to be together and to have fun together. So Breakdown Buffalo, it's going to be really, really cool. There's going to be live shows on it. I'm no longer going to be on live shows, at least hosted by me on Built in Buffalo. So if you're still interested in seeing the super fun content that, you know, we put out, you know, that's different from just the podcast that you listen to every single Friday, you will be able to find me on Breakdown Buffalo, where I'm going to be a key contributor alongside of also putting out this podcast for you on Built in Buffalo, because I love to do it. And I feel like that this is still a beneficial place for me to put out my podcast and to keep interacting with people, especially the people that have been rocking with me all season and last off season. So we're starting Breakdown Buffalo, a lot more details to come with that. Again, it's a brand that's not really a brand. All it is is a channel where people can come be together, create content, and it's, you know, regardless of where you are, you can come and you can do what you want because there's no ties to it, you know? So it's definitely going to be something that, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be a great thing and it's a really cool concept just for it to be a brand that's not really a brand. So I think that you guys would really enjoy that. But I know what you're saying. Jake, we're seven minutes into the podcast already. 
what are we talking about? Are we talking about the Bills today? Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the Bills. Obviously, the Combine is going on right now, so the halftime show of this episode is going to be the interviews that were done in the Combine of Brandon Bean and head coach Sean McDermott. It's not going to be the One Bills Live interviews because... That's, you know, owned by MSG Network and the Bills themselves. But it will be kind of the the video airings of interviews that were done just by all the media, not just One Bills Live. So you guys will get that. Of course, if you want both interviews with both those guys, go check out the Monday episode of One Bills Live with Tasker and Chris Brown. I absolutely love that show. It's one of my must-listens. And if you don't listen to it, which I'm sure a lot of you do if you're listening to this podcast, it was a really good episode. So that is what the halftime show is going to be. And you're going to get those interviews. But one of the big things that's being talked about right now is Rob Gronkowski. And, you know, I... I understand why a lot of people might be hesitant for Rob Gronkowski to come in and possibly be a part of the Buffalo Bills. And I get it. I already hear people screaming, Jake, we have Dawson Knox. We don't need Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, you know, you're right. You don't need Rob Gronkowski, right? It's not if, like I'm going to be talking about in the second half, needs that the Bills, you know, genuinely need to have on the roster things that are more important than adding another tight end that you know a lot of people feel it's it's not beneficial I'm going to tell you right now adding Rob Gronkowski is a huge benefit for the Buffalo Bills I understand we have Dawson Knox but if you can run 12 personnel and have Dawson Knox and Rob Gronkowski on the field at the same time that's dangerous and a lot of people are in their feelings and I understand people are not willing to let go what Rob Gronkowski did to Tredavious White five years ago. And, you know, a lot of people also believe that Trey White still harbors, you know, some resentment towards Rob Gronkowski because he did that. And obviously, when somebody does something like that to you, yeah, you're probably not so easily to get over it. After five years, maybe a little bit more so. But if you're a competitor and you have the opportunity to bring somebody in like that. I do believe that Trey White is the kind of guy who would understand that that's a huge benefit to the team and would be willing to put that past them if Rob Gronkowski was going to join the Buffalo Bills organization. So I definitely think that that is something that Bills Mafia is kind of just sitting here being like, no, I'll never forgive him. Well, if Trey forgives him, it doesn't matter if you forgive him, okay? Like, I I feel like that needs to be hammered into people's minds is that it doesn't matter what you think. If the organization checks with Trey and Trey understands the benefit of it and he doesn't want, like, if he says, yeah, I, I don't mind and Gronkowski wants to come and apologize for it again, Rob Gronkowski in Buffalo takes this offense to another level that, you know, if you just give Josh Allen another elite tight end like that especially in a 12 personnel package that elevates this offense to another level and it can evolve beyond what we've already seen so I understand a lot of people are no I don't want Gronk and you know maybe a lot of it too has to come down with the contract that Gronkowski might want and that's all stuff that the organization has to deal with and in reality 
You can sit there and say that you don't forgive Rob Gronkowski all you want. It doesn't matter. If the organization talks with both parties, everybody's good with it. It's going to be a great addition for the Buffalo Bills and something that should be done. Now, because I talked a little bit long at the beginning of the show and the halftime is going to be definitely a lot longer than it usually is, we're going to end it at about 11 minutes here or about 12. And then coming out of the half, once we listen to that I will be talking about the philosophy of the Rams, and a lot of people are ready to go full on Rams versus what the Bills and Brandon Bean talked about kind of their mindset is, especially when it comes to developing and building a team to go win a Super Bowl. And then to end the show, I'm going to talk about position groups that I want to see the Bills target in the draft and why they might actually target a position group that you're not thinking of in the first round. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. This has been The Lowdown. I have been Jake, only on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, and I will see all of you guys in the second half. All right, we asked Sean, uh, about, we haven't talked to you since Dorsey was promoted. Um, just the reasoning behind that, the, you know, obviously keeping some continuity, and what can he bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ken, we, we've shown I've known him for a long time, so we had that, that camaraderie going in. We definitely interviewed some other guys and just got some different perspectives. But in the end, you know, just being able to keep so many things the same for Josh. And, you know, we've talked about it before. Part of our plan, Sal, when we got started was continuity for Josh from the coaching staff, the organization, um, the, the, the plays, the, the protections. Um, even though we got a, you know, a new line coach, we don't have to change all the protections. You know, he's coming in to kind of learn our system. The more we can keep the same for Josh, the easier it will be to assimilate. Ken's going to have his own you know, nuances. Everybody does to how they do things, but a lot will be the same. And we just felt in the end that was the most important. What about with uh, Joe Brady? What, what's, what was the connection with him? And um, do you have to get him up to speed, I guess? You know? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is not an offense that Joe uh, you know, has run before, but uh, Joe's a bright mind, heard very good things about him. Obviously, great history in college. And uh, with Carolina, his first year, they did some really good things. Um, you know, I don't know what happened specifically. We didn't get into a lot of that uh, in the process. But, um, you know, being around him for the last few weeks, He's a very humble for the guy for someone who's had his success. Very humble, wants to come learn new ways. And then I know you know Ken Dorsey's going to ask Joe, "Hey, how do you see things? What's what's a way you guys you know called this or, or a way to, to beat this coverage or anything that's going on?" So um, it's always good to have familiarity, but it's all it's always good to challenge and bring bring new ideas as well. And that was part of the you know the thought with with bringing Joe. Think to be around you guys as a team, and what sort of improvement do you see? You know, nothing but positive about Mitch. He, he's just, um, man, he's a marry your daughter type of guy. Just uh, shows up every day, smile on his face, works hard. Um, you know, for his ups and downs in Chicago, never said a negative word about anything. And you know, I've been around players when they've come from a stop that didn't go as well, and. They can't help themselves. Man, I like this place better because y'all do this and that. And, and Mitch never, I mean, he's such a pro. Um, you know, I was curious. You know, I talked to Josh a little bit as we were closing on the deal, just saying, hey, this may happen, uh, making sure there was nothing I was unaware of that, that they would have a relationship, which there wasn't. And, you know, Mitch just came in with, with you know, open arms, open eyes, learned our system, you know, with 
Ken Dorsey, Brian Dable, and Josh, and was really just a great caddy the whole year. Was ready if his number was called. You know, fortunately, Josh stayed healthy, but um, I got nothing but positive things for him, and, and I feel sure he's going to get, you know, a good opportunity to at least compete for a starting job this year. Hey, if he does, just what makes him ready for that? What's that? Just if he does get an opportunity, what makes him ready for that? What do you think? What do you, what do you see that growth in his game? Yeah, I mean, if you look at his career history in Chicago, they went to the playoffs. They won a lot of games. When you compare it to young quarterbacks starting as a rookie, I mean, he was drafted highly. And uh, in fairness, I think a lot of it happens because he was drafted so highly and above some of the guys he was, he was always being compared to them and just, you know, was never going to be able to live up to some of the things that, you know, Mahomes, Watson, some of those guys did. But uh, he's a really good quarterback, and, and I think he'll have a good opportunity. If he, if he, presuming he moves on, uh, if he does, I mean, is it pretty much a given you're going to have to find somebody with experience to add to the room? I mean, regardless of what happens in the draft, I mean, do you want a guy who's never started a game starting, you know? Yeah. I want Peyton Manning or somebody like that if you got him, Mark. But uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, that's an important position. We know the quarterback position is uh, the ultimate, you know, in all sports. So uh, it'll be our job to find uh, a suitable replacement, assuming, we, you know, we're not able to get Mitch back. So, yeah, it's we're going to look high and low. Uh, we'll look in free agency. Uh, we could trade. We could draft. We could do all the, you know, all the above. But we definitely need to find that piece because we know how Josh plays. And as much as I always want Josh to get down, uh, Josh sometimes uh, sees the play all the way through, and, and it's a 17-game it's a season, so we'll, we'll definitely have to find the right answer there. Yes, Stacey. Um, it's good to be back here uh, and not on Zoom, first off. But, um, you know, it's great. We, last night we were able to do interviews in person and, you know, get to meet some of these guys and, and kind of feel their personality through the night. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I think there's a lot of depth. I don't know if there's the top guys that people are going to, you know, sometimes in years past, especially, you know, maybe at the quarterback position. But I do think there's a lot of depth in this draft. And I think the mid-rounds, you know, once you get out of round one, you know, two, three, four, maybe even five, I think there's going to be some good value. Um, Levi is obviously an unrestricted free agent. Obviously with Tredavious's injury, how much does that make cornerback a necessity in this draft? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily the draft or free, but we definitely have to look at that. You know, uh, Levi's a free agent. Uh, as you said, Trey's coming off the ACL. He's, he's, he's all, you know, on schedule, doing a great job. He's there every day working hard, competing the way you guys see him, competing in practice. But um, we'll, we'll definitely monitor Levi's situation, and we'll look for depth, free agency, if we lose him. Um, but we'll look for it anyway. We're always looking for competition. And then, yeah, we're definitely going to evaluate the corners here and try and get to know them through this process. You guys have spent a lot of premium picks in the defensive line over the last couple of years, and you might have a need to acquire some defensive linemen again this year. Is it ever in the back of your mind that, hey, we just spent a lot of picks on defensive line when it comes to another draft? Or is it completely, hey, new year, doesn't matter what happened the year before when it comes to draft strategies and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've just I've been raised, and it's just always been my thought as I've studied teams that uh, you got to be good up front, both sides of the ball, and and you know you got to have a quarterback. The next thing you got to do is you got to get the other team's quarterback down, and so um, it's a position every year, whether it's again free agency, the draft, trades. I think you got to look and and be as strong as you can. I mean, 
we we were pretty deep this year, but we ran into issues with with COVID and, and some nicks here and there. So, um, you know, we we do have some guys that are unrestricted, and that you know we'll we'll see if we can get some back. But either way, we'll definitely look to add there. Do you sense any uh, momentum amongst people inside the league about changing the overtime rules for this coming season? Um, I do think there will be some changes. I think there's, I don't know how many proposals. Uh, a GM and I laughed at the Senior Bowl. There was going to be 32 different proposals. But, um, you know, we definitely, you know, put our stamp on one. And, you know, ours is going to be more, without getting into detail, more instead of one position and then you get the other position is a time, you know, similar to, you know, in basketball, you play five minutes. Baseball, both teams get, you know, the top half, the bottom half. So a time limit, and I'm talking about postseason only, um, to, to play it out. And that way both teams will definitely have a chance and, and maybe even more than one possession. Well, you got player safety. And so it's a 17-game season. You know, I personally don't think ties in the regular season are as big of a deal. But in postseason, You've worked that long. You've played a 17-game season. You've been working since April or May. You know, everything on the line, you know, a coin toss or here or there, I just, I think, let's play it out, an ex, you know, a certain amount of time. That's our opinion. I don't know that that will be the final, you know, result in March at the owners' meetings. But uh, I think there's going to be some good proposals, and hopefully it at least comes to a point where both teams get, a, get an opportunity. Brandon, yeah, you said uh, Tredavious is on schedule, but conservatively, what does that look like for you guys? Like, where, what are you kind of targeting? We're, we're not targeting anything. I mean, he, he'll have markers, Joe, with the trainers. Um, you know, Tredavious is going to want to participate in June. I mean, we'll have to hold him back from himself. But, um, you know, we'll, we're not going to put a time stamp on it. Just it's, it's really hard to do that. I don't want to put the pressure of him. I've seen it where guys – I'm not. They start press, pressing too hard to get out there when they're not ready. So we'll just we'll follow the doctors and 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 our, all of our trainers and and we'll follow their advice. And when they say he's ready to go, we'll, we'll get him out there. Uh, that that position has any residual effect with the torn ACL? No, not really. I mean, we our docs feel very confident that as long as he does the process, a lot of it is how you're built. Um, you know, a lot of times the better the athlete, the quicker you can overcome that. And so, you know, Tredavious is obviously a tremendous athlete, and we feel that will help him, you know, through the process. The, uh, the Giants have uh, stolen a lot of people from the Bills organization this offseason. What, what do you make of, uh, of all them stealing all your guys? We're going to have to find a way to steal some of those back. Uh, no, those are, uh, those are really good people. And, again, it's, uh, it's bittersweet. Um, you know, we're going to miss them personally and professionally, but wish them nothing but the best. And... I'm confident, you know, that they'll, you know, they'll do a really good job, you know, for the Giants. And, um, you know, I'm glad it's not in the division. I'm glad it's in the NFC, you know, AFC. And uh, I'm sure we'll we'll share ideas as, as, as we kind of, you know, move along in whatever process, free agency, the draft, pre, who knows, maybe preseason, whatever. When you did news, Joe, I remember you saying you were still trying to kind of sort things out with your staff and who, who fits in where. Are you any, any closer to that? As far as our staff, yeah, yeah I, what I'm going to do, you know, the first thing was getting our coaching staff settled uh, with the changes there, you know, with, with Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady and all those guys. But um, we're just going to ride out our staff until the draft. And then once that's over, that's kind of the end of the personnel season anyway. And, 
at that point I'll have a clearer picture what I want to do and, and I'm going to look at, at various ways but we'll adjust it at that point but right now I'm just going to everybody's kind of pitched in to take over the various roles that Joe did for us and we'll, we'll just ride that out until you know until early May when the draft's over. Brandon, you noticed the last five years are there certain positions that lead to sort of longer discussions or, or more disagreement uh, based from you to one of your other colleagues in the building like have you just noticed that certain positions tend to be you know uh, gather a wider variety of, of opinions or does it kind of depend year to year quarterback <laughs> yeah I mean it really is I mean I go back to um, the year we were in that process uh, there was a lot of ideas a lot of thoughts um, side uh, you know they come in all different size shapes and different systems um, I think that's the most argued about position and probably always it always will be, and I think in that draft, if you had five different teams drafting number one, you might have had three different players, you know, maybe four that were drafted. Everybody kind of had the guy they fell in love with, and luckily for us, um, our guy fell to seven. What allowed you to be so aggressive that year? I felt like you, you know, you had a plan, you stuck to it, you got the two guys you were looking for. What, what sort of gave you the comfort knowing that we can make these two aggressive moves uh, up in the first round? Yeah, I think, um, you know, for us it was conviction. And it was going through the process, doing the work in the fall. And um, I knew if I was going to be standing here five years later that I had to get that position right. And so um, the, it was really back to the trades, you know, when we, we moved on from Sammy Watkins and, um, you know, Marcel Darius and um, Darby and, and, and uh, several of those guys was to prepare ourselves no matter where we finished that we could go get the quarterback or quarterbacks that we that we wanted to you know we thought fit Buffalo and, and what we were going to build, and so we had the conviction there that let's just get ourselves in position. We were at 21, and as I was talking to people in the top 10, nobody wanted to go down to 21. So the next thing was how do I get closer? And we were able to work that deal out with Cincy to get to 12. At that point, people started entertaining moving from four to 12, five to 12, ultimately seven to 12. Last us, question, please. Last question. Can you give us a couple reasons why so many college receivers come out now and can make the instant impact of the NFL? Why is that position so much better today than it was maybe in years past? Yeah, I think the seven-on-sevens and all the passing academies. I mean, there's um, if you go to watch a junior high, maybe even below that, you go to watch a junior high football game, they're running the spread system. And, um, again, there's so many various – um, passing camps, seven-on-sevens, you see them. We do one at, at, at our stadium where the, some of the high school guys are there playing. So I just think the passing game is, is it's, it used to be when I played and we all played, we were, you know, if you threw the ball three times a game in, in middle school, you threw it a lot. And now they, they hardly run the ball. Most of them are throwing it. So I just think players are, are you know, and, and there's more receivers being developed. There's not two receivers now. There's three and four wide, so more players are getting the opportunity to do that. And um, yeah, I think it's why so. Welcome back, everybody, to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is the Lowdown on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. And, of course, I told you what we are going to be talking about in the second half. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed listening to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean as they were talking at the Combine. Definitely, the Combine is something that a lot of people are paying attention to, and I myself am really interested in seeing some of these guys and some of the 
the storylines that come out of it, especially one that I've already heard today as a recording, Kenny Pickett's throwing hand being eight and a half inches, which would be smaller than any quarterback that is starting in the NFL today. And there's all these kind of storylines that come out of the combine and a lot of players decide not to, you know, even participate in combine drills and how does that affect their draft status? When are they going to go? What do teams like mostly I believe that teams do the combine because they like to interview guys and the Buffalo Bills have been interviewing guys. Obviously, Sean McDermott used, you know, talking about coming to the combine is it's something that he feels like is a good thing and that they should do it and they will keep doing it even after they get to that elusive Super Bowl win eventually. It's just something that's kind of more of an advantage to go to than to not go to. And some coaches don't believe in that and some do. And I'm glad that we have a coach that does because I myself think that going to the combine is definitely something that is worthwhile, especially if you are, you know, a team that actually cares about really hitting on your draft picks, then going to the combine and interviewing these guys and seeing where they are really helps you narrow down who maybe you want to focus in on with your draft picks. And I think that it's definitely an advantage to go to it more than it is to not go to it. But what is one of the things that I want to talk about in the first half, which again, it ran a little bit too long, so I have to push it to the second half. But look, I have no problem with it because again, it is something that keeps coming up and I feel like it is something that, you know, a lot of people have said it. I've said it. Hell, even Brandon Bean has said it when he was talking about a philosophy of building a team and going to the Super Bowl. And that is a lot of people want to take the Rams approach to the things. And if for some reason you've been living under a rock and don't know what the Rams did, in essence, in NFL terms, they bought a Super Bowl, right? They went out and they got rid of two first round picks to get rid of Jared Goff. And then with that, bringing in Matt Stafford, which... I think was a great move for them. Uh, I personally have always been very high on Matt Stafford, so I thought that was a great move for them. And then they went and they signed Odell Beckham Jr., and then they also went and acquired Vaughn Miller. And a lot of people are like, hey, we need to go do that. The Buffalo Bills need to go do that. And I think one of my things that I want to hammer home for people is, and I will keep saying it, whether it's in multiple episodes or not, is that that is not a good approach in the NFL. Now, if you can do it smart, that's great. And some people argue, what is one first round pick? Uh, is it is it worth letting that go to get a guy who's proven into go win a Super Bowl? Some people already argue. They'll be like, hey, look what we did for Stefan Diggs. And I will also agree with you that I believe the Stefan Diggs trade was a good one. But I believe that when you look at what the Rams did, especially for who they trade for, like it's it's guys that they're giving up draft picks. You trade for Stefan Diggs and you're bringing in a guy who can be a pillar and you can use him for years to come. You trade for Von Miller. Von Miller's 32. He's not going to be a pillar for your team for years to come. 
he was going to be a great thing to bring in then to put you over the hump to get you the win. But what do you give up in turn? Well, you give up draft picks that you could then use, especially if you're a team like the Bills who values draft picks and getting those guys that you're able to develop because the Buffalo Bills really focus on grabbing dudes in the draft and developing them. So when you give up these picks, like people seem to think that throwing these picks around, yeah, it gets us a guy now, but what does it do for you two or three years down the future? Again, the Rams don't have a first round pick, I believe for either the next two, three or four years. Like when you have that, it's, you can go out and buy a championship, right? You can go, you can trade all those picks, get these guys for short limited times and then you go win a super bowl sure but it's not guaranteed it works for the rams but if you do it there's no guarantee that you're going to win it it's a copycat league but it doesn't always work that way right so this rams approach is a lot of bills fans i get it they think that our window is closing now is when we need to use these draft picks get guys to go win now but in reality when you're trying to win now and you think that there's a two or three year period, you have Josh Allen for the next eight years and I can already hear it. Oh my God, don't be one of those guys that says as long as you have Josh Allen, the window's open. But the thing is, why would you want to build a team to win a Super Bowl now when you can use these key draft picks, especially first round draft picks, to be able to buy guys that you can then draft and develop and then be able to have them as pillars for your organization for years to come brandon bean already said it is that you know that is something of how it works but that's not how it like it doesn't always work that way you don't always luck out when it comes to that the buffalo bills and i've said this multiple other creators have said it is that this year 13 seconds was between the bills and getting to play the bengals in buffalo and i believe eventually the bills going on to the super bowl and most likely winning they had a team that was right there so what do we really need to do like i brought up with rob gronkowski those are guys that you can bring in that maybe they're on a one-year deal or a two-year deal just you know one of these short-term deals to be able to put you over the hump now but guess what you didn't give up anything to bring that guy in you gave up a little bit of cap space but you didn't give up an asset like a draft pick to get a guy like that. So that's kind of what it is. This team is built foundationally really, really well. And they were good enough to get to the divisional round. And I believe that that team would have been a Super Bowl team. They didn't win it, of course, did not, whether you want to blame play calling or the players themselves. But the Bills are in a position to add smartly, but not jeopardize themselves for the future. So I believe that the Rams philosophy, while it could work for some teams, the Buffalo Bills don't believe in that. Brandon Bean doesn't believe in that. And you don't want to risk the future of your franchise on just trying to win a Super Bowl now. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Of course, people are entitled to believe what they want to believe, especially when it comes to what, uh, what it takes to go win a Super Bowl. But I believe in sustained success more than short-term success. And I feel like using your draft picks smartly, which, by the way, Brandon Bean does have a track record of being able to hit on the draft 
But, of course, people can argue that for every single, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen, you know, those picks, you have a, you know, you have a Cody Ford or maybe guys who haven't, you know, made it to the point to where we want them to be. So, you know, there's arguments for both sides. I believe in one, if you believe that the Buffalo Bills need to go all out, while I don't believe it's the smartest decision, it is definitely an opinion. I can see why you have it, and that's just all I have to say on that. But to finish today's show off, you know, I wanted to talk about position groups that I wanted the Bills to target. Now, obviously, I have been a proponent of, I think the Bills need to go defensive line again in this draft. And I know everybody's going to be saying like, oh my God, we drafted two defensive linemen last year. And yeah, we did. But if you actually look at the Buffalo Bills defensive line, just before free agency right now, we only have three defensive ends on the roster. And the defensive tackle position next to Ed Oliver is disgusting. Uh, I do believe that the Buffalo Bills desperately need defensive line help, whether that's people they bring in or people that they draft or a combination of both. I think the defensive line is something great. But the position group that for some reason seems to be getting the most you know, shine right now, especially with the combine and who they are actually saying might fall when it comes to the Bills at 25 is, you know, towards the top of the draft, a lot of these defensive linemen are going to go, especially the ones worthy of being first-rounders. They will all be gone. Um, you know, uh, I've seen some people think that Devontae Wyatt's going to fall all the way to 25. If he does, I would love for the Bills to select Devontae Wyatt. Jordan Davis, too. I don't think that he's a first round talent per se he's definitely a immovable object that would really really help our defensive line is he worth pick 25 though i don't know maybe you get a second round pick from one of these teams that is in day two and they pick at the beginning of day two and they really want to just jump up into the first round again to have a guy that they can put a fifth round a fifth year option on you know maybe they want to trade up and the bills trade out of the first round and then you can get these guys that maybe aren't necessarily worth a first round pick but you're also gaining more picks in the draft by moving back and you can still get these guys that you want the one guy that i really think that the buffalo bills should look at if he's there and I know this probably isn't something new. You've probably seen somebody talk about it is Jameson Williams from Alabama. And, you know, this is a guy that he would have been a top 10 pick had he not injured himself. And hell, he could still be a top 10 pick if some team is willing to you know, shell it out and believe in him long-term. But a lot of people are saying that Jamison Williams, a wide receiver, and everyone's going to be like, oh my God, Jake, you're a Gabe Davis guy. We have a wide receiver too. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that Gabe Davis can be that wide receiver too. But when you have the ability to add a Jamison Williams, a guy who out on the field was the consensus, one of the best receivers in college football, He's there at 25 when any other year, if he was healthy, he's going top 10, maybe even top five. You get that guy because when he's fully healthy and he comes back, 
he's going to be an absolute weapon and just another one that Josh Allen would be able to use to his full effect and to be able to continue to put the Buffalo Bills in a great position. So that's just something to leave you thinking about on this Friday. Uh, Wide receiver, maybe in the first round, definitely think about it. I understand it's not the biggest need, but it's definitely something that if you're looking towards the future and maybe a product that could be there that you're going to be able to have as a pillar for your franchise for years to come, that is definitely something to think about. Uh, of course, you can always find me at Jake the Bills fan on Twitter. And today was a really good episode. I can't wait for next week's episode. I'm going to find somebody to interview. I promise you it's going to be a really, really good one. I think we talked about some great points today, especially talking about Breakdown Buffalo and the things that I'm going to be doing in the future with my friends, talking about Gronkowski, talking about the Rams approach versus the Bills mindset. It's been an amazing episode. And of course, you can get that every single week here on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. I have been Jake. This has been the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York, the lowdown. I will see all of you guys next week. Thank you.